<laughs> I, I, you know, if, I, w- I want to ask you that technical question again because I quite like that. Um, uh, so, because I can see that I, I've worn this shirt, and I, I, in the old days, this was a shirt that you were you were told the kind of shirt you were told not to wear on TV, wasn't it? Right, it was banned. Yeah. It's, it's doing yeah. these crazy psychedelic things. Yeah, it makes the because it's got it's because it's got um, like regular parallel lines, so it makes the because um, TV's you know a series of lines, so it goes really crazy and hazy. But um, TV televisions have, have changed slightly, so they're they're softer and they're, they've got higher resolution, so it's not as bad. Is that, is that right? Yeah. yeah. I. <laughs> what are you and, What are you uh, looking at? Uh, Martin's here. Good. <laughs> oh, t- hey, Martin. How you doing? <laughs> It's um, yeah. I'm 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 famed for my really shit production values. I mean, actually, somebody has somebody has very kindly offered to to buy me some kit, but I don't know whether I I know what to do with it. I mean, I quite like one of those the round um lamp things, you know, with the with the light all all around and there's a hole in the middle. Oh yeah. Well, that, they're, they're about twelve quid on Amazon, so treat yourself. Yeah, no, but I, no, but I, listen, Leo, I would only want a really good one. Do you know? It, it, it's like <laughs> if you're going to get a bit of kit, you want high end, don't you? Even if you can't use it. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially if somebody else is paying, then well, like you know well, what I mean. Oh yeah, I, I mean it is. It is one of the great pleasures of this job. I do get the, um, I get the, I, I get the love. You know, I may not have that many fans, but the ones I've got. It's great. I mean, really, it's probably like being a comedy star. Oh, by the way, I, I better start the podcast um, officially, formally. I love Daily Poll. Go and subscribe to the podcast, baby. I love Daily Poll. I listen all the time. Subscribe with me. I love Daily Poll. Welcome to the Daily Pod with me, James Daily And I know I always say about how excited I'm about this week's special guest. And I'm really not. No, actually, I am. It's it's Leo Curse. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Leo. Um, you're a comedian. Hello, James. Well, imagine how thrilled I am to be here. I I I, I would imagine that's totally sincere and from the bottom of your heart. I've just been watching. <laughs> I've just been watching your your set on environmentalism, which made me love you oh, yeah. even more than I did before because I too <laughs> care about turtles with. Um, with single-use plastic up their nostrils, <laughs> it was good. That yeah, yeah, that was that was a that was a clip that went. And it, man, it's it's funny. Like people say, oh, right-wing comedy, right-wing comedy doesn't work. It punches down, and it's like, no, it totally works. I did like I did three shows last night in London, and in, in front of not not in front of not at a Tory conference, in front of young millennial. Uh, metrosexual, um, like you know, what I mean, young yeah. woke people, and they loved it. They love, yeah. they love having all the woke stuff ripped the piss out of. Did, so, did you, did you do environmentalism? I didn't do that. I was doing new material, so I did stuff about uh, stuff about politics and sport. Um, comedians getting cancelled. Um, what else did I talk about? Oh yeah, and I talked about the NHS. I'm in favour of private medical care. Did you, uh, um, this would have been maybe too topical and too edgy, but did you do in those really crap um, footballers who, who missed their penalties? Because that would have been quite sensitive, wouldn't it? I mean, you, you, they, quite on the edge. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was talking more about. Um, well, I, I don't want to touch that as a topic <laughs> after Andrew Lawrence got completely cancelled. Like, it's just his, his entire tour, his agent, everything. He's like, you know, and I've got people trying to cancel me. There's a, there's a comedian. Uh, well, there's a few comedians, but there's one one who's respected. Most of them are open mics, but there's one who's respected. Who's like he's described me as a far right demagogue, and also said um, right wing comedians should all be cancelled. Uh, and anybody who works with them should be cancelled as well, because obviously the left are full of, uh, you know, tolerance and promote diversity. So yeah. why wouldn't you um, completely cancel, you know, one section based on one characteristic? Yeah, well, it, I'm I'm puzzled by this this use of, of far right. I mean, I'm I'm frequently called far right, and I don't <coughs> I don't even know what it means. I mean, I mean, I think it just means a person that 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 you you disagree with politically i mean you know any so if you're a left-wing left-wing activist or comedian or whatever everyone who's not like you is is far right absolutely no absolutely i mean i, I started off in the 90s when i became sort of politically and socially aware i started off fairly you know left-wing like you know i'm, I'm in favor of you know, I'm sort of right-wing in terms of I worked in government, so then I realised actually government's really inefficient and, and just terrible at its job, so I became more of a sort of individualist. I'm for human rights, I'm for equality, uh, tolerance and diversity. And that used to make me left-wing, and I've stayed in the same place, and everybody else has drifted towards this sort of Maoist, like uh, just ideologically rigid, um, you know, co like basically communism. And like so, me being a sort of individualist uh, means that I'm now, you know, far right or right wing or whatever. I'm not even sure that the terms have any meaning anymore because I've noticed that a lot of my my followers now, my fans, whatever, are people who would yeah. have, would have voted for Jeremy Corbyn, for example. And yeah, you know, obviously I've got Brexiteers and and Thatcherites as well. But but it seems to me yeah. that the issues now in the world are not about right v left they're about an evil sort of globalist elite v v yeah. a sort of machine versus the rest of us yeah the issues are really individual rights versus uh, government rights and for some reason left-wing people are always utopian in their idea of government they think it's going to be this incredibly efficient machine that's going to take your money from you take the money that you've earned and know better than you what you want it spent on and spend it better and more efficiently and get a better deal. Man, I worked in government. I got to tell you, it's just a bunch of disinterested, corrupt apparatchiks, completely spaffing money up the wall. And I, I, I thought if anything showed us that government, you know, big government is needs to be reined in, it's, it's the, the pandemic. Look at the look at all the, the money they're, they're giving to their cronies for face mask deals or, or whatever it is, you know, medical treatment. And uh, so they're, they're taking, and also they're printing money, they're stealing, basically steals money from us. When they print money, they're not making new money, they're devaluing the money that's in circulation. So they're stealing our savings from us and stealing our, our future earnings from us. Uh, and, and they're not spending it, they're not spending it wisely. And when government power grows, it doesn't lead to, you know, more individual rights, it leads to fewer individual rights. They're bringing through all these like... Um, and, and this is where there is some overlap between the left and the right. They're bringing through all these draconian authoritarian laws, you know, the policing bill, uh, the hate crime bill in Scotland. There's going to be one in, in, the, in the rest of the UK soon um, that take away our individual rights, our freedoms as individuals. And 
It's so important. There's never been a time in history where larger government has led to, you know, more, you know, better human rights or more freedom or like, you know, yeah. better employment. Maybe, you know, in certain circumstances, like, you know, um, the New Deal or whatever, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a case to be made for a Keynesian stimulus. Um, but I think most of the time, there's a huge case to be made for just backing off and leaving people alone and letting them do what they want to do as long as they're not hurting anybody else. Do you know, apart from your bit at the end, the dodgy bit at the end about the case to be made for a Keynesian stimulus, what you've basically <laughs> given us is, is a kind of two-minute version of Hayek's road to serfdom. Because that's basically what he says in it. And, and, and it's interesting, he, he even makes the point you made about the left and the right, that Hayek is absolutely clear. And after all, he saw the Nazis, you know, at first hand, you know, he... Um, he makes it clear that the Nazis and the communists were were, were, were pretty much the same the same thing. That he, yeah. he call he calls it collectivism, which is which is what it is. It's yeah. um it's 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 totalitarianism. Yeah. It's collectivism. It doesn't matter whether they're wearing a, a a a red label or a blue label. They're they're still really really bad. Um, but yeah, it amazes me, given given all the, the the misery that we've got, given given all we've been through in the last 18 months or so, that you get this stuff, you, you, you can see it fairly clearly. And yet I was looking at my Twitter the other day and I saw something really, really upsetting. And I think you may have seen it too. And it was a gaggle of about 30 alleged comedians making a video, a, a comedy video, a comedy video, no less. They'd written a comedy song showing their musical skills and it was all about it was to raise money for the nhs for, sorry our nhs and i i don't know why they thought that the nhs needs money i mean it seems to be we, we seem to be feeding um, it like a how much how much are they intending to raise with this song is it going to be like 58 billion pounds to keep the <laughs> nhs going for a year you know what i mean it's ridiculous it's purely virtuous signaling it's them being like oh look i'm a good person i'm doing a song for the nhs you know what i mean yeah, I, do, I do material saying my feedback is better. By the way, I'm I'm I've got my my vo- uh, this could be just I don't know. I've got my volume turned up um to max on my ears and you're still quite quiet. You, can you make your thing louder? Um the volume I wonder if it's what if I put headphones in will that make any difference? Don't know. Um, Has that made any difference to the volume? No, but it's probably good. It's probably good practice to put headphones on anyway. I, I, I did a I did a podcast with Right Said Fred, and um, yeah, they didn't wear wear um, headphones, and the feedback was annoying. What was even more annoying is that, is that some of the twats among my followers blame me for it. Like like it was my fault. I'm thinking I wasn't a, a recording <laughs> yeah, yeah. artist for you know since the 1980s. I haven't had a music career with lots of studio engineers and stuff. I, I'm not the one who should know this shit. Anyway, um, what were we saying? See oh, yeah. if I can, I'm going to see if I can turn up the microphone. Um, microphone. There we go. Uh, voice treatment. Um, It is a crying scandal, I have to say. It's a kind of a sign of how bad things are, that if this were a fair and just world, you and I would have teams of people just like, you know, scurrying around. We'd have so much money. We'd have teams scurrying around to make sure that we didn't have to do this kind of menial stuff. 
But instead, yeah. the, people, the people who get the teams scurrying around doing the menial stuff are these kind of lackeys, lackeys of the deep state working for the BBC. Um, yeah. Oh, why is everything in Windows? Everything is like... Is it a massive payment? You've got to like hack in. It's like when they hack in into the computer system in Jurassic Park. Yes. I don't know why it, they can't just like. Is Windows the thing that Bill Gates invented? Yeah. And um, I thought it would be the, the worst thing he was involved in until <laughs> yeah, now. Exactly. I don't know what it is with Bill Gates. He's too, he's too helpful. You know what I mean? He's got like $250 billion or something. He's like, he's just too helpful. He's up to something. I just don't trust it. You know what I mean? Nobody, no man is that helpful unless they're trying to fuck someone. Well, exactly. And turns yeah. out that's what he was trying to do. And that's why his wife left him. Yeah. But I think, you know, I don't know if I had that much money, I prefer my, I prefer my billionaires to just be, you know, extravagant playboys and spend it on like that, cocaine and exotic transsexual hookers. You are so right. You'd, you'd want them to buy their volcano island and have their men in the kind of the jumpsuits on the underground railway doing doing their stuff, but building death lasers maybe, but not trying to, yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, I, I, I'm sensing though, I'm sensing a bit of hurt within you, Leo. I'm, 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 I'm suspecting that maybe you're a bit miffed that they didn't ask you to be in that comedy video, or maybe they did. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been, you know, all I've been, I guess, fifty percent excommunicated, exiled from from comedy. Um, so, I mean, there's a there's a community just just recently saying, um, you know, saying I, sh you know, nobody should work with me, and nobody's like saying what you, you what do you mean you bigot? Why are you like discriminating against right wing comedians? Everybody's like, no, this is uh, this is right. It's Comedy is very strange. It's um, it's very strange. It's like everybody thinks that it's like one big happy family and we all pull together and help each other. And no, we're just constantly trying to get each other cancelled. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you, except for right right wing comedians don't like me, Jeff Norcott, whatever. We just get on with our thing, do our thing, just write jokes and be funny and smash gigs. Uh, but left wing comedians feel they've got the signal to other left wing comedians that you know they're purer. They're more uh, ideologically perfect. You've 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 sort of undermined my next question or or, 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 or my next line, which which was, uh, in the past, I've I've been disturbed by the sort of um, is camaraderie the the right word. There's been a reluctance on the part of of comedians I've met to slag off other comedians. It's kind of like, you're, you're, <laughs> because there's only, a, it's, it's, well, it's a, an incestuous scene. Right person. <laughs> I'm so no, we, all, we all slag each other off all the time. No, we, like we, you know, we absolutely, um, we slag, like, there's a rule in comedy. If you get in a car, we do car shares. Cause if you've got a gig in Plymouth or whatever, there's no point all four of us driving independently from London. So um, we'll share a car and then you can slag off everyone. Everybody outside the car gets slagged off and then we never mention it. There's an omerta. That's, well, okay. So tell me, for example, I mean, he's after all a fellow Scott about the trajectory of Frankie Boyle. Because I used to love Frankie Boyle when he was when he was telling yeah. really when sick, <laughs> sick. Yeah, when he was funny, yeah. he was sick, wasn't he? I mean, he was like yeah. he he was telling jokes about disabled people and about uh, the famous yeah. one about Jordan and stuff. And you thought, yeah, yeah. I'm so happy that someone out there is is <laughs> carrying the torch for yeah. sick humor that makes you laugh. 
and then he yeah, went. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no excuse for it other than you know, like he said this horrible stuff, like you know, the thing about Jordan, which is hilarious. And there's no, it can't be excused. It's it's racist. It's sexist. It's a rape joke. It's, there's no excuse for it except that it's really funny. It's so funny. And uh, I think you know, if something's funny, that's comedy's got an inbuilt excuse. You know, you're either funny or you're trying to be funny, you know? And, you know, I think this should have, I mean, Andrew Lawrence, all right, it's not, it wasn't funny, but I think he was trying to be funny. And I think, you know, you've got to extend, you know, some sort of just goodwill. Like, assume, don't assume that somebody's coming from an evil place if they're trying to make a joke. Assume that somebody's coming from a good place because humor is incredibly powerful in breaking down uh, differences between people and bringing people together. Um, so uh, if we're all, you know, sitting around with sticks up our ass, just like clapping at Nish Kumar slagging off Brexiteers, that's not that's not much fun, you know. But Frankie Boyle uh, basically had to evolve to to keep a career. Um, so he's he's now sort of becoming. I mean, I still think he's I still think he's quite he's quite funny um, on his on his show. Um, I mean, he's such a, he's just such an efficient, brilliant writer and deliverer of jokes and just so bitingly, acerbically, nastily funny. Um, and now, you know, he's, do, he's got his Frankie Boyle's New World Order and he fills it with all the, the woke people, you know, so it's, it's they're, they're not very funny. Some of them are funny, but they're not very funny. Most of them aren't very funny. Um, and he's just had to do it to, to sort of stay, stay employed and stay on TV. Uh, nobody's going to hire, um, you know, a, a right-wing you know, you. comedian. Nobody, nobody's going to hire a nasty comedian who's, who's doing nasty jokes. Um, I mean, they should because nobody's watching the woke comedy. Like some of the stuff they bring out. Like there's a new show called Yesterday, Today, and the Day Before That, or something like that. And it's all uh, women. Um, a couple of them are, are really funny. Like Maisie Adams is on it, and she's she's great. Which sort of shows up how bad the other ones are. Um, but it's, it's a terrible viewing figure. So I had like 10,000 viewers for its for a debut episode. And this is on Comedy Central, you know what I mean? So um, I think that the comedy industry has been flipped by by the internet. It used to be that you, you know, you'd write material, you'd do it in the clubs, you'd take a show to Edinburgh and get spotted there and like do like get on TV or get, get on Radio 4. And that route, I mean, it's still available to, to some people if you're, you know, not, if you don't look like me, but like for... For most people now, you're making a living through YouTube and through, you're getting big and you're building your own audience, your own fan base through YouTube, Instagram, all the social medias like TikTok. Um, and that, that's how you're building a following. And then you don't, then you're cutting out all this industry, all these gatekeepers are gone. And all this sort of, um, all this sort of, uh, I guess, quality control, but also uh, ideology control is, is gone as well. But what, what you've described there sounds like a good thing, but I'm is that what you're saying, that it is a good thing? Oh, it's brilliant, yeah, yeah. Yes, I do I do YouTube videos, and I got stopped by a policeman yesterday who said he loved my videos. <laughs> that's so, that's yeah, it's, cool. It's, it's great. It's, well, it's great. You've got, like, this direct... Really, the only problem with it is, is I'm, I'm a comedian because, you know, I, I used to do other jobs. I worked in national security and government and stuff, but I'm sort of naturally lazy and disorganised. So comedy is great because you get to the show, the show is the deadline. You've got to get to the show, do the show. If I'm making videos, it's very hard to sort of give myself deadlines to get a video out and, and knuckle down and actually do it. Oh, and also having to work with, 
with um, camera people and directors that they, they always want one more take, don't they? It's really tiresome. Whereas, uh, you, you know, you go and do your gig and, and it's over when, when it's over. You don't have to have do, do yeah. another another set afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I just filmed my videos myself. Like my girlfriend, well, we've broken up now, but my girlfriend would hold the camera and, you know, I've got a gimbal and stuff. Um, but yeah, because I mean, live comedy is becoming... Some some promoters are really open. The good ones are really open and just fair and tolerant and just want people on who are funny. But there's a lot of uh, ideology in comedy, a lot of left-wing people who think that, you know, right-wing people should be denied representation and denied a voice. And in Scotland... I mean, it's, it's getting harder for me to, to get in Scotland because uh, obviously I've criticised the SNP, uh, the Scottish government, and the SNP directly own the main comedy clubs in Scotland. It's mad. Really? It's like North Korea or something. Yeah, yeah. Tommy Shepard's are, you know, an SNP politician owns the stand comedy clubs in Scotland, it blew, and it blows my mind. So then, like, loads of Scottish comedians hate me because, like, I've uh, spoken out against the government. And it's like, man, governments are supposed to speak to power. They're supposed to speak truth to power and criticize power. And also comedians don't seem to understand that like, when somebody's criticizing woke culture, when somebody's criticizing this sort of, you know, the, the left wing mob on Twitter who control what we're allowed to consume and who's allowed to work and who's allowed to feed their families. Like we're speaking there, they've got the cultural power. Like ostensibly, we've got a right-wing government. I, I disagree that the, the, Tory, the current Tories are conservative. I think they're quite socialist. But ostensibly, we've got a right-wing government, but we've got a very, very, very left-wing cultural power. And, you know, all through the media, through tech, uh, through every part of the, the arts and uh, academia and, you know, pretty much everywhere now, it's systemically woke. So by criticising wokeness, we're criticising that power. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I, I worry about that. I, I, I worry where it's going to go. I mean, do you, can you foresee a time where you won't be able to do your stuff anymore, won't be able to earn a crust? Because uh, you, you mentioned about like, how it's good that you don't need to go through, the, the, the gatekeepers aren't there anymore you, because you, the, you can do it through the internet. But actually, yeah. the gatekeepers are now the internet. I mean, I mean, uh, YouTube is very censorious. I, I can't put a lot of my stuff up on YouTube. Instagram is this. Yeah. Well, they're all owned by the same people now. That's the problem. Yeah. So how's that going to work? Yeah, out? this is this is the problem. And this, this is somewhere where the government, although, you know, I've, I've just said that, you know, we need less government involvement in people's lives. This is somewhere where the government does need to step in and regulate big tech uh, to ensure that they're not, uh, being arbitrarily discriminatory against against people uh, because at, at the moment it is it's just you know the tech is, is hugely woke so you know I know that at some point I'm going to do something that contravenes you know the, the Facebook guidelines or Instagram you guidelines YouTube guidelines um, and it'll get and it might it might be something that's perfectly reasonable uh, or something that would be a perfectly reasonable opinion you know, a few years ago, look at J.K. Rowling's opinions. You know, a few years ago, they were very woke. They were, you know, pro-women's rights, you know, safe spaces for women. But now, you know, with the, you know, now that we're allowing women like me into safe spaces for women, um, you know, it's, like it's becoming, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a woman. I identify as a woman. My pronouns are she and her. So, and them. Yeah, well, I, you can there. you can put put that that evil J.K. woman in her place for her transphobia, and and good luck to you. You're, uh, you're quite right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, 
I know, like J.K. Rowling. And this is the thing. I mean, I'm not sticking up for feminists at all because they've they've ruined, you know, they've ruined darts. We kind of the walk-on girls at darts. Yeah. Kind of the walk-on girls at Formula One. And it's like, how many feminists were watching the darts? Why have they got the mess with the darts? That's not their stuff. You know what I mean? If there's walk-on girls at like, you know, I don't know, whatever, a cat food factory or whatever the fuck feminists are into, like, then it's affecting them. Yes. But darts <laughs> is just fat guys in the Midlands watching it. You know what I mean? So just let them have their walk-on girls. Why, why deny employment opportunities to, you know, single moms in the Midlands? Just like, I don't know why, so like now feminists are getting, you know, a taste of their own medicine with, you know, now, now they're TERFs because they don't like women like me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you there. And I'm thinking actually how, well, how miserable it is. All those girls who probably didn't have much between their, their ears, but were, were nice looking. And they wanted to get a holiday job or whatever. And they'd go, to the, they'd, yeah. they'd go and drape themselves over the, over the, the racing cars at, at Formula One. And the men were happy. I mean, it's only men who go to F1. I mean, it's bloody boring, isn't it? You, are you, have you been oh, to a it's Grand terrible Prix? now. You might as well put beads on a bit of string and just tilt it. You know what I mean? There's no crashes. Remember there used to be crashes and it was exciting. You'd see some like Brazilian guy, all oh, right, you've got 45 million pounds, but now you're on fire. Now you're on fire. How are you going to deal with that? <laughs> and uh, like, it was exciting. And now there's none of that. They just drive around in their little fucking... Oh, it's so boring. You are you are. So, so yeah, right. at least there's naked women. There's naked women at, you know, the boxing. I think they still have it at the boxing. That's one one place they haven't, they haven't tainted. Funnily enough, I was talking about, I was talking about the boxing last night. I was doing new material and um, talking about Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury got criticised for his views on like homosexuality and gender and women's rights and stuff. And everybody's like, oh, Tyson Fury's got these terrible opinions. And it's like, yeah, but like, you know, you're a gender studies student criticising him. Tyson Fury's spent his whole life practising, getting really good at punching people in the face. And he's brilliant at it. You know what I mean? The best in the world at punching people in the face. You're a gender studies student. You've been practising your opinions. So obviously you've got the world's best opinions. Like, why are we not criticising these gender studies students for being shit at punching people in the face? It's, you know... Let the sports people be good at the sport and the opinion people be good at the opinions. Yeah, um, you're, you're absolutely right. I, by the way, I, I, I feel that we didn't quite finish off the uh, the Frankie Ball thing. I, oh, yeah. I, I think this is this is surely the case with comedy um, that if you are if you could if you if you can swallow your your pride and swallow any sense of of, of an obligation towards being funny or or having any principles at all then you can probably yeah. earn an order of magnitude more than a than a, an honest honest grafting comic like you funny comic like you could is that is that fair to say that if if you can break the, into the bbc you, you know the, you get the golden ticket you're made yeah. oh well i mean you're you're not i mean I, I do do stuff in the bbc like um just a few months ago a couple of months ago I was on a show in bbc scotland six part series um but you don't you don't get much money for the bbc it's not it's not loads of money. Um, like I would, you know, I'd get more from doing a run of shows, from doing a weekend at, you know, um, Hot Water. You know, they, they pay like something like fifteen hundred pounds for a, for a weekend. Um, so some, you know, some TV stuff is good, but like, it's not, it's not the pinnacle. It's not this, you know, gild, you know, golden goose anymore. But isn't it the promo more? It's 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 not the not it's not the the appearance fee. It's the promo. That's what that's where the where the no, money is. Nobody's, 
nobody's really watching it anymore. I mean, the first series of Live at the Apollo, like everybody on that series became a star. Right. Everybody just got such a boost because it was watched by millions of people. But now that they're not putting, you know, people quite as good on, uh, the, the viewing figures have dropped like 96%. Viewing figures for Live at the Apollo are down 96%. So people, you know, people used to be worried about, oh, if I do this material on TV, it's going to be, that's it, burnt. I can't do it in the clubs anymore because everybody's seen it on TV. Man, you could like do live at the Apollo, walk down the street the next day. Nobody's going to know who you are. You can go to a comedy club, do all your material. Nobody, nobody's heard of it. You know, it's just live at the Apollo, you get like a few grand or whatever and you get to, you know, pretend you're, you're famous. But the, the real, the, the comedians are blowing up. Like Andrew Schultz, see you later, man. Uh, comedians like Andrew Schultz. So, you know, he built a following on YouTube and then, you know, Netflix and all the rest of it come to him and they're like, look, we're going to give you this big wadge of cash because they want his follow. They want him to bring his viewers. Well, I suppose... I mean, TV is systemically woke as well. So they are also putting on a lot of woke uh, comedy. Um, But it's all all dismal. So it's going to die out. It's going to die out in a a few years. If they're putting on this woke comedy... And everybody was like, wow, this is amazing. You know what I mean? This is great. And everybody's tuning in to watch it. And nobody is. They're all watching like Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. People are actually good at comedy. All these guys are like, you know, anti-woke. And, you know, probably, you know, classic liberals or libertarian type, you know, people for individual rights, not collectivism. Yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't realize that actually I was going to learn, learn stuff from you uh, when we were at the beginning. Um, that, that is interesting. So, do, do, I mean, do you think comedy is is, is dying <laughs> on its feet? Um, club comedy is pretty, pretty healthy. There's some amazing clubs out there, like um, Top Secret Comedy in Covent Garden, best comedy club in the world. It's just, it's amazing, and they they book a really diverse lineup. So they'll have, um, you know, they'll have. All the left-wing comedians, obviously, um, you know, really, really diverse, not just in terms of ethnicity and stuff, which, you know, people always, you know, seem to think of diversity in terms of ethnicity. But I think in comedy clubs, it's important to have diversity of opinion and diversity of, oh, yeah. of voice as well. Uh, so across, you know, the class divide and across, uh, you know, the ideological divide as well. Um, so, yeah, Top Secret are amazing. They're, they're doing really well. They're like, you know, I was there last night. So I did a, I did a, a double header with my mate Danny, um, before the main shows, and uh, we had uh, 184, 184 in, just to see our, you know, our two hand us trying out new material, um, and then and then the main shows, both of them, upstairs and downstairs, sold out, and I did I did um, spots on there, so um, so it's great. I mean, it's like and it's paying so many people's you know mortgages and, and bills. It's uh, it's great to see hot water in Liverpool again. I mean, I don't do I don't do that club very often. I'd love to do it more, but they're you know hugely successful and they're really you know making the best of social media. Some of the some of the older clubs aren't aren't doing as well. The ones that you know haven't sort of kept up with the times, and you can see it when the when the booking gets a bit lazy. And you see some of them are trying to like you know they're like oh we better you know they they've been booking the same like bald fifty year old guys. For so long, so they're like, man, we better like get some like you know get some fresh blood in. But they don't get the good flip fresh blood. They get the you know the ones that the agents are pushing. Um, so, but you, when you say yeah, move like, nobody the wants times, to get lectured, what are the times saying? Are the times saying they want more kind of anti woke or or what? Yeah, they do. I mean, like, um, I think people want you know more diverse. I mean, I book I book nights, and I always you know want to get 
a diversity across like gender and ethnicity um, so that people in the audience feel represented. You know, I, I run this show called Hate and Live, uh, which is really fun. Basically, the audience writes down what they hate and it goes into a bucket and then we pull it out and the comedians have to say why they hate that thing. And it could be anything, you know what I mean? It could be absolutely anything. Could be Jeremy Corbyn, could be the mating rituals of double-billed platypuses, could be vaccines, um, you know, whatever. Anything can come out come out. I'd like thing. that. And the comedian's on the spot. Oh, everybody, man. I think People I love could, it. We just did I it could at Cambridge Comedy Festival. It's the most fun show. Yes. I, I think even I could be funny doing that. I could, I could be like... Because <laughs> the thing... The reason, like the, the the reason, like I I couldn't do what you do, or rather, wouldn't want to do what you do. I mean, I, never mind the, the, my yeah. absence of talent, whatever. Is that I have died at public speaking events, and <laughs> and I found the experience so horrible that I, yeah. I never want to have that to happen to me as a kind of as a oh, matter of routine. Worst. How long did you have to do when you died? Because it's the worst when you like you launch into you're doing an hour show and you launch into it and you're like, man, you look at the watch and you're like, man, four minutes in, you're already sweating, you got the dry mouth. You know what I mean? You're you like, know, you know how you're trying to start that lawnmower. <laughs> you know how you can tell pretty much within the first 30 seconds whether you're going to whether you're going to go down well or whether you are, whether it's not going to work and you're never going to claw it back. Yeah. And yeah. I think I knew within 30 seconds that, and it was, it was an after dinner speaking event. And, um, you know, I, I sort of, well, you, you can't, you can't run away. You can't drop out. You can't say, Oh yeah, this isn't working. Cause you want to get paid. I do you know what? I wasn't yeah. even paid for this. I wasn't, I was not even paid for this event. So it was a completely pointless oh my thing. God. Yes. I, d- I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Then we then we will book you for hating life. Yeah, yeah, quite. Because we know that you're free. <laughs> what was it, what was I thinking, Leo? I it was like I don't know because those those things honestly after dinner speaking is normally very well paid because it's so difficult. It's so difficult. Those weird gigs like charity gigs and like um, and uh, you know sports gigs where you're like talking to a room full of you know a football club eating their dinners and stuff. Man, those gigs are so tough. Award ceremonies. I've done the, I've done these things, man. I'll do it because it's like it's money. You know what I mean? I'll do it for like I'll do it for like five hundred quid, like some golf club in Essex. But man, you go up there, and the thing is, it's always booked by somebody who's seen you at the comedy store or at Top Secret or something, and they're like, uh, oh, this guy, yeah, this guy's going to be amazing." And then, like, but obviously, Top Secret is set up perfectly. You know, it's like just the perfect. All the chemical elements are there yeah. for comedy to happen. Everybody's there to see comedy. They've paid. They're invested. They're pointing the right way. I'm lit. I've got great sound, you know what I mean? There's like intro music, everything's professional, everybody's, everything's slick. Then you turn up to this like, you know, golf club, they just throw you on and like, you know, it'll be like, you know, after, there'll be a raffle and so everybody's checking out the raffle prizes and then somebody's gone up and said about how, you know, they're raising money for their wife who died and everybody's crying and stuff. And then, and then they're like, welcome to stage, Leo Kersey. Like, and then you've got to go up. There's no stage. You're just standing on a bit of carpet, no light. And you've got this horrible radio mic that keeps cutting out. And uh, you've got to try and make them laugh. And then, you know, you can see them tutting because you said the word dick. And uh, it's, it's horrific. Yes. And you get that money. And you're like, man, I'm in the car. And the, wheel, my, the wheels are spinning before the guys even, like, said, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, like... 
but and it is what's almost worse is that you have to have the dinner beforehand and 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 they're all getting suddenly oh, drunk yeah. and you i mean i yeah. don't know about you i don't i don't like to drink before i speak because i want i need my yeah. mind sharp to in case things go wrong yeah although sometimes i think oh, maybe absolutely. you, you get a slurred voice yeah and so you've got to put up with yeah. all this and, you, and and you're having this conversation you're, you're pretending to be polite but all you're thinking about is Oh my god! I've got to, I've got to speak and entertain these people. And what if it doesn't yeah. work? I, I, I'm not sure that if you, <laughs> if you pay me all the money in the world, I'd, I'd ever do an after dinner speaking gig again. Um, but you told me because I asked you about this, and I loved your story about the, the one of the nights you died. Go and tell us the story. You know that the one about the NHS party. Oh God! Yes, yes. this is in Glasgow. Yes. Man, this is in Glasgow, the Rotunda, which, you know, man, I love it, but it, it can be a tough room. It's a, quite a big room. It fits like 300 or something. And Christmas gigs, man, they can be tough. This is a Christmas party gig. And like, so everybody's, you know, normally comedy clubs are comedy comedy fans in comedy clubs, but Christmas gigs is like one person, because they've got, you know, office people have to do something for Christmas. So one person will be like, why don't we go and see some comedy? It'll be like one comedy fan. So he drags all these like people who hate comedy this comedy club and none of them are there to see comedy they want to get drunk they want to shag the receptionist you know the, they want to do cocaine in the toilets nobody's there for comedy they don't get it and uh, and it's busy and it's noisy and all the rest of it so i went up on stage uh <laughs> up on stage oh and this is the other thing so the promoter said because there's just me and another act on and an mc so the promoter said to me i was supposed to be like closing like headlining and the promoter said to me i'm going to put you on first because i want a safe pair of hands to like make sure that, you know, we get off to a flying start. And I knew as soon as he said that, I was going to die. I just knew it. That was totally jinxing me. So I went up and I'm like, hey, welcome to you, blah, blah, blah. Is it going bad? And then, like, there's this guy talking really loudly at this table. And I was like, I turned around and I'm like, oh, you know, excuse me, you, you mind shutting up a bit? I'm trying to do some comedy here. And he was all, he turns around and he's like, fuck off. You know what I mean? Like that. I was like, man, that just fucking saw red. I was like, you Fucking prick, you fucking, what, what the fuck? What the fuck did you do? You told me to fuck off. You want to fucking get up here? We'll have some fucking MMA. You can tell me to fuck off. And I, th- I thought I was being funny. I thought it was funny. But <laughs> the whole room just went silent. And then, and, <laughs> and then I thought, oh man, oh, I misjudged that. And I was like, okay. And uh, then like, I tried doing So then I did, I've got this bit of material that, man, it always works. Like if I'm dying, I can do this material. And it'll just dig me out and get everything back on board. And they're all still staring at me, just in disgust, in absolute disgust. And um, then the the promoter flashed me off. He said it was the quickest he's, he's ever flashed anybody off at that, that club. And I, I, I lasted about 10 minutes. And uh, I came off. And then in the interval, like, uh, this woman uh, came came up to me, all, like, you know, quivering with rage. And um, it, it turns out... Um, Oh no! It was actually a nice a nice person came up after her. So the nice person told me was all like, "Oh, that that guy who like you know shouted abuse at you and then you wanted to fight him. He's like this. Uh, he's like a um, what do they call it? Um, something a modern apprentice? Some sort of anyway. Basically, the workplace like dev. Like they've got this, some sort of hire for like you know disadvantaged you know dev kids." Yeah. And he was their sort of mascot workplace. I mean, there's, you know, there's words that I'd like to use yes. that I'm not allowed to use because it's 2021. But 
he was one of them. And uh, so he's like their sort of mascot that they, they you know, <laughs> just tried to fight him. And all the women folks were, <laughs> and were, were he was there. And, yeah. he, and he's like 17 or something. But he came up to me with his mates. Like, the, 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 man, the guy came up to like, you know, my, like my belly button. And he's all like, oh, you <laughs> Like, and he, he told me, he told me to fuck off. I'm like the comedian. Like, dude, like, you know what I mean? I don't, but like, yeah, gigs like that. Normally, I'm a safe pair of hands with shows like that. What you do is you just come out and you play over the top and they get on board. Um, but yeah, somebody telling you to fuck off, like, that's, that's quite, it was hard for me to. Um, what What's to the material that. that you've got that's so funny that you always win? How, how, how do you find such material? Where? <laughs> It won't sound so great, but it's about, um, it's this, it lasts about seven minutes. It's about uh, buying a train ticket online. It doesn't sound that great, but man, it kills. Okay. It totally but, okay. Kills. So, so imagine, imagine you're dying now and you, and you, you've, you know, you've just, I'm the, <laughs> I was about to do an impersonation of the annoying kid, but I better not because people will cancel me. <laughs> imagine it I looked the, a bit like you. It, imagine I'm <laughs> the annoying kid. And I've just been swearing and stuff, and you realise you're dying. Okay, what do you say instantly to 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 to, to introduce your your train ticket sketch? How, how do you how do you get there from from dying to the intro to the trains? I think what what I'd normally do. I mean, like I think if you just let the tension hang in the air for a moment, like if you've completely lost the goodwill in the room, you're you're a little bit you're a little bit screwed but if you just let the tension hang in the air and then you break it with just like a funny you know like you know you know well that that didn't go the way i hoped you know or something like that then you know you sort you can sort of break it break it down and um, then you know just turn around to somebody else do a bit more crowd work talk, talk to somebody on the other side you know so how, how's your day going you know I, I like those jeans or whatever they look painted on like what the you know i don't know whatever whatever it is yeah, whatever it is, um, you know, do do something. Distraction and um, distraction, yeah, and also showing that you're not a, you're not just an angry person who wants to fight. <laughs> you got to show that you're a nice person who, you know, just got told to to fuck off, and that's why you reacted quite yes. quite strongly. But also, every gig's a learning experience, you know. Now, um, I don't react. I try not to react angrily to people who are being like. Well, it's better to just hang back and let them, you know, let them hang themselves with their with their own words. And when you've when you've finished the gig and you've died, um, and you go home, <laughs> man, that, that's like the only time it's happened. And like the, you know, it's not like I die regularly. That was like, man, and that was like two and a half years ago. So let's just be clear about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm safest pair of hands in the circuit. Always kill it, and always kill it with like stuff that you know shouldn't work. When people, are, oh, right when comedy doesn't work, oh, it's punching down. Well, obviously it's punching. Any everything is beneath me. You know what I mean? So obviously anything I punch is going to be punching down. Yeah. Like, um, and also, yeah, right when comedy isn't punching down, it's punching up. The, well, absolutely. No, they, they just they invent these phrases which shortcut argument so so we all know that right-wing comedy is punching down we all know that punching down is a bad thing we don't even we're not even asked to question it and actually what we should be saying yeah what, why is it punching down what do you what do you mean by punching down what are you saying here but no one ever does because that those yeah. are the tricks they they always play um i 
I, I like going to comedy gigs, but there's no way I would go to a comedy gig if I had to wear a mask. Is it, what's the deal now? Oh, so you wear a mask, um, or you, you don't have to, James, you know you don't have to wear a mask if you say you're exempt. Yeah, well, that's what I do. You just say you're exempt. Yeah. And anytime, you know, I, st- I mean, I, I, some of the comedy clubs, you know, I'll wear a mask because, like, you know, I don't want the club getting into trouble. So, like, if I go into the club, I'll just wear a mask. To, but, but then when you're sitting down, you don't have to wear a mask if you're a punter. When I'm on stage, I obviously don't have to wear a mask. That's uh, lucky. Um, but... <laughs> That wouldn't work. Um, but yeah, really like work. when I'm in the, like, man, I was, and th- th- I do this on stage, but it's a true story. I was at the station. This policeman said, um, you know, where's your mask? And I said, I'm exempt because, you know, if you say you're exempt, you don't have to wear one. But I thought, because it's a policeman, I better give a reason. So I said, I'm exempt because they give me anxiety. And he said, where's your lanyard saying that? And I was like, lanyards give me anxiety as well. <laughs> yeah. Did it, it work? Man, judo, 3D chess. Yeah, of course it worked. Man, and at the end of the day, if anybody says in, I just say, I'm transgender. And then everybody backs off, you know, we, like, you know, nobody wants to mess with a transgender woman. I, I, I have got, uh, uh, somebody contacted me once and told me about why they didn't wear a mask and why, and why it was really, really upsetting for them to wear a mask. And I was, I was thinking, it, it, it's so horrible. To, it's to do with kind of being raped by a relative with that, with a hand over their mouth when they were a kid. And I've, I've, I've been keeping that in reserve. You know, if anyone tries to, fucking but, hell, man. But, <laughs> but, but, but normally, like I don't. I wouldn't start on that. Like, no, no. I mean, fucking, you don't. You want the policeman to go away and cry? Well, like, you see, he's just doing his job. No, I. I generally go for the mask exempt option and I don't wear the lanyard obviously. And actually I've just, I was in Devon um, recently and I only got challenged once and the the guy, it was a fish and chip shop. And the guy said to me, I'm going to have to ask you to wear a mask. And I just said very nicely, I haven't (laughs) got one. Um, I'm, I'm exempt. And he said, Oh, you're exempt. Oh, right. Fine, and, and and that was it. That 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 was the that was the worst. If if people realise this, if people realise that all you need is a bit of kind of yeah you know, good natured confidence, and you know I really yeah. am exempt. You know you've got to believe it, and that works. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, and like you know, I get that. Like masks might have like you know they might improve things a little bit and reduce the spread of the virus by like you know twenty percent or something like that. But um, it smudges my lipstick. And also, like, I, you know, everybody's talking about this virus like it's a bad thing. I, I just want to free up some parking spaces. You know, we've got a lot of people in London and nowhere to park. Like, why is everybody, you know, everybody's like, oh, my God, people are going to die from the flu this Christmas. Now they're talking about there's going to be 60,000 deaths from the flu. It's like, just let people. Sometimes people have to die. They can't live forever. We're all going to die at some point. If you don't die of the flu, it's like that guy. Remember, there was that guy, uh, William Shakespeare, the first guy to get the fire, uh, the vaccine. Yes, he died. And he, di- he died like three months later because he's old. And it's like, so what? So he had the last sort of year and a half of his life just spent like locked inside, no human contact, no love, no affection, no seeing his family, yeah. just so he could like live for th- uh, three months after he got the vaccine. Like, no, just let people fucking live and like enjoy their lives. And also, man, this. 
because now everything's happening on social media. People are so toxic on social media. I was at Cambridge Comedy Festival at the weekend. It was amazing seeing all the comedians in real life. Even the ones who'd mugged me off, you know, on, on social media were all nice to my face and stuff. And it was so, it was so nice. People need that direct, because social media is like, uh, it's like road rage. Everybody, you know, no, nobody realizes. You wouldn't talk to somebody in real life like you talk to, like people talk to people on social media. Um, like Christian Riley wouldn't come up to me uh, you know, in a comedy club, be like, you know, you should be banned from comedy, you fucking asshole, you fucking right wing cunt. Like, yeah. it just wouldn't happen. But he feels yeah. happy to say it on social media. Um, so, yeah, th- I think we need to we need to get back to real life and real human communication and bonding and warmth and affection. I hate to sound like a bigot, but that's you know that, that my right wing ideals. Just you know, I believe in yeah. human affection and warmth. No, I'm I'm with you on that one. I. I, I I was going to ask you, because you must get a sense of where where the generations are, where, whether there's any hope for them or not. And I, I, do you get you get sort of mixed crowds, sort of mixed age ranges in your gigs? Oh, yeah, hugely. I mean, um, I think the sort of core uh, age range for my videos is, um, is mostly men. And it's uh, they're mostly sort of between 40 and 65. Um, so, you know, they're, they're the people watching my videos, but at Top Secret, if I'm doing the Top Secret, it's very young, you know, very studenty, um, you know, very young, you know, right on crowd. But man, what I've noticed, like, especially with my nephew as well, like the young people that are coming through think all this woke stuff is completely bullshit because they can see through it. They can see it's just like, it's just another religion. It's just like, you know, oh, these are the strict doctrines that you've got to stick to. And, you know, except with, at least with Christianity and, you know, Islam, they're, they're written in literal stone. They don't change every week. You know what I mean? So like now this, oh, now this week, you, you're a good person last week, but now you're a turf. You know, it's, it's just this sort of these religious doctrines you've got to stick to, or you've got to pay lip service to, um, but obviously nobody's really, you know, that, that pure. Um, so it's, it's, this, it's this weird um, sort of performative uh, religiosity. Um, but the younger generation can see right through it and they're just like, well, this is this is bullshit. That's, you know that's I mean? what and also they're, they're abusing the rules. Yeah, my mate, my mate's a teacher, and there's there's kids at the school who uh, just have you know different pronouns and stuff, just to, just to fuck with the system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which isn't why I transitioned, by the way. I'm a genuine woman. Yeah, you are. No, I can see that, and I respect that absolutely. The, the... Well, thanks. I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because otherwise I'd report you to the police. Yeah, well, obviously you'd have to. Um, the the yeah, I funnily enough, I was on the um uh, I went on the campaign bus with with Loza because you you were also a a, 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 a reclaim party candidate. That's right. <laughs> you yeah. made the. That's going to become king of Glasgow. I I recommend your campaign video. It was the best campaign video anyone's ever made. It was like it was almost like <laughs> I don't care whether you vote for me or or, or not. You know. <laughs> It was good. It didn't get you many votes, though. Well, the problem uh, with it, I thought, I thought, like, you know, running for election, I'd get to go on TV and go on all these debates and stuff. No, because I'm, like, an uh, independent, basically independent candidate. I, I got I got nothing. And even the things that I organised, the SNP have got such a grip over, over the country. They uh, got me deplatformed from um, a hustings, an independent hustings. Uh, they said, they, they realised me and Michelle Ballant- Ballantyne from uh, the Reform Party were going to speak at it. So they said, no, 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 no political, uh, you know, speakers, just the, you know, sort of scientists and doctors and stuff. Um, 
what else the the BBC uh, I used to you know, had a monthly thing in the BBC it was like 150 quid and that got cancelled as soon as I, as soon as I ran for uh, ran for office um, and the, the thing that really cost me the election so the one opportunity I had to get my message out there was uh, you get to do an election address the Royal Mail delivers your message delivers a leaflet to every household in, in the region, in the whole of Glasgow. So we had 330,000 leaflets printed uh, with the printers. The thing is, man, because we were trying to do everything like properly as if we're like, you know, a, a big political party. So, you know, our advisor said, man, you got to like um, have them printed in Scotland because it'll look bad if, you know, the election oh, address goes yeah. out and says printed in Essex. And like the Scottish, every, and then other people in Scotland said, no, you can't have like Scottish business involvement because the SNP like controls so much of the economy in Scotland because it's, you know, the public sector is a much bigger proportion of the economy there. No business wants to be seen to be going against the SNP uh, because they'll lose they'll lose work. So I don't know, it's George Galloway got his you know leaflets printed in Essex. Uh, so there was some sort of screw up between the printers and the Royal Mail and my leaflets didn't go out. And you know that was that was my one chance to get the message. It was imagined? an amazing leaflet. It really communicated. Didn't go out. Just got pulped. You know what I mean? So I mean, we definitely learned some lessons for next time. But I would have got a lot more votes if uh, if you know those leaflets had gone out, and also if I was more organised and less lazy. Yeah, but that that is that is faintly sinister, isn't it? I mean, it is. Let's be honest. It is the kind of shit that would go down in Nazi Germany. That that they are they are. Uh, I can say this, maybe you can't, but but the SNP are national socialists. It's just like, oh, absolutely, and they're trying to you know increase the you know they've got this hate crime legislation and you know just legislation that's taken away uh, people's rights. Like you know they tried to um, make children the property of the state rather than you know responsibility of the parents, um, and you know all this stuff. And the, I mean. The mad thing is, I thought, okay, this hate crime legislation is coming through, but it's going to be a while before we see really horrific stuff happening. Just like last month, Marion Miller, I don't know if you heard about this, uh, but Marion Miller, so she's a feminist or TERF, um, gender critical feminist with two autistic uh, sons. And um, she tweeted a picture of a suffragette ribbon. So it's, you know, it's on its side, it's got the, the ribbon and the bow. And uh, somebody complained that that was transphobic because it could be construed to be a noose. Uh, even though it wasn't you know, directed at anybody, it didn't really you know, mention transgender people or anything. They said, oh, this could be inferred. You know, I, I, can, I perceive this to be a transphobic hate crime saying, you know, we're gonna, it's such a, such a leap of the imagination. But um, she's been arrested and she's been charged. She's arrested, taken into custody. She's got two you know, autistic kids. It's, it's, so Orwell, like it's worse, like it's worse than Orwell. It's horrific. Yeah. Like, and this is where we're starting from. You know what I mean? And also, everybody's right behind it. The whole society, you know, all these woke pricks are like, you know, oh yeah, no, yeah, lock up this mother, send her to jail. She tweeted a picture of a suffragette ribbon. What a scumbag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Through burner, burn the witch. You know, and you see the, the mobs, you see the glee of the mobs on Twitter being like, oh, yeah, we're destroying this person. And you say to them, yeah, but like, you know, like what Andrew Lawrence, you know, you say to them, like, but yeah, he's got a family. He's not going to be able to feed his family. They're like, yeah, he doesn't deserve, his kids don't deserve food. It's like, what the fuck? Like, a moment ago, you are saying how Marcus Rashford was great because he's getting school meals out to the kids. But you don't want these kids to, to eat? Like, 
what the fuck? I don't know. There's no, there's no logic or like, you know, or like just reason to it. It's so weird. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, that in a way was why I was asking that question about the, well, you sort of reassured me about the up and coming generation. This is the, we're talking sort of yeah. school age generation or a bit older than that. It's, yeah, I'm not saying I spend a lot of time hanging around playgrounds, but um, no, like, basically my, my nephew's like um, 12. Fuck, I hope he's 12. I mean, you can't get your nephew's age wrong. Oh, you can. Um, but <laughs> That's interesting, that, <laughs> but that he's, age group. He's so, he's, he sees right through the, the bullshit. My mate's a teacher and uh, he says that the stuff in the curriculum is horrifying. You know what I mean? It's so politicized and it's so, you know I mean? They're really pushing this sort of... Um, uh, sort of transgender, non-binary agenda, like trying to make it the cool thing to be uh, instead of just saying, you know, yeah, fine. If you're, if you're trans, that's fine. If you're non-binary, that's fine. Uh, but if you're straight, that's fine. You know, it's all like, oh, celebrate. Oh, you're special. You know what I mean? Yeah, don't, oh, don't be a disgusting cis person. That's like being white. You know what I mean? What are you? Like a Brexiteer? Oh, you're disgusting. No, you've got to be transgender. That's the only acceptable thing now. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're really pushing it, but he he says he says the kids, you know, a lot of the kids see right through it because kids kids are always questioning authority. You know, I know I'm sure you did when you were a kid. I did when I was a kid, and you know, you sort of see through all this like performative religious bullshit because wokeism is a religion. It's just one without any sort of forgiveness or you know sort of doctrines that are set in stone. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I hope you, the story I was going to tell you about the um about the the Lawrence Fox bus where we were i think we were in sutton somewhere like that one of the london suburbs and these these school kids came past and there was this boy i i suppose he was about 16 and he had long hair and he was wearing lipstick and there was something about him i thought you're not you're not transgender because you're confused about your sexual identity you're just just taking the piss you're you're just pushing it (laughs) you know like when i was at school we'd sort of we'd get our ties and we'd rebel by getting our mums to narrow the ties for us, you know, so they look like sort of drain pipe ties or or shoestring ties or whatever, rather than the fat 1970s ties that the the school shop actually sold. Kids will always try and find ways of rebelling. But but I hope hope that is it. I hope that that there is a generation out there because I'm not sensing much rebellion from... Like going back to that fish and chip shop, there were, there were some noisy kind of kids, probably kind of public school kids, you know. And and I was really shocked by how diligently and dutifully they were all wearing their masks, even outside. And I thought, little <laughs> yeah, the outside on the beach, man. Like, yeah, that's to say, I don't I don't wear masks on the bus, but I, I wear one at the beach in my car and in the shower. You know, what I mean, it's important to yes, wear a mask. Yes, of course. You got... <laughs> people are, Actually, people are just mad. I know this is a this is a disease that kills, but it doesn't it, like it doesn't kill. It, it's like it's only dangerous because it spreads so quickly. You know, what I mean, and I get that. You know, we've got to reduce the spread, but it's not that dangerous. It's not like I mean, we had AIDS. Well, we didn't have AIDS, but in the eighties. 90s, there was AIDS with a hundred percent fatality rate. None of this like 0.1% fatality rate bullshit. Yeah, and, like, although we didn't have lockdown for AIDS. Where was the fucking AIDS lockdown? We were throwing members of the royal family into hospitals to shake hands with them. None of this like you know masking up and like staying in your living room for a year and a half. 
Yeah, the, the, uh, there's, there's a whole other AIDS rabbit hole we could go down. I mean, I, I was, I was, uh, I, I, so I won't do, but, but I was watching that, um, what's he called, Doctor Who guy, writer, um, who did the series about AIDS people, um, you know, um, Russell, Russell T. Davis. I, I, I like his stuff. He's, you know, and he, and he did this, this drama about, about, a, a bunch of gay men in the 1980s and about how they all you know half of them get aids and stuff and the other half worry about getting yeah. aids and and so i started looking at the actual number of people who actually died of aids and, and you know it was sort of it was presented to us at the time like this was the plague that was going to kill us all but actually it was really quite a minority event, you know, in terms of the actual death toll. It, it, in compare the, the the death toll with with the attention it was it was given, and and I mean, actually, this thing we're having now is a replay of that on a, on a larger scale. Not not many yeah. more people are dying. If if even more people are dying, I mean, if you look at the and, and it's people, it's mostly people at the end of their lives who totally. are going to die, you know, within the next like few years anyway. Or like fat people. And it's like, man, I can't believe something came along that killed fat people and we tried to stop it. It's like, and also there's still fat people. Like a year and a half into this pandemic, there's like fat people. And it's like, whoa, if you're still fat, that's like, that's worse than not wearing, that's like not wearing a face mask and licking every doorknob in, in London. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're on a death, if you're still fat, never mind the, the normal fat guy, like diseases like diabetes and all the rest of it. Like if you're still fat, like a year and a half in a coronavirus pandemic that specifically, you know, targets fat people, man, you 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 can't tell anybody to wear a face mask. Yeah, the people often often say this. People of our persuasion, they look at you get this this footage of the 1970s, and you realize how great the 1970s were, and you look at these scenes, a, a beach. In the 1970s, there are no fat people on that beach. Now, is it yeah. because is it with guards patrolling the beach, making sure, like they either roll them in the sea where they can start a new life, you know? What I mean, surprisingly graceful in the water, or uh, they're just sent back. It it just the, didn't. I mean, it, truck. It could be that that whaling was more was still a thing in the 1970s. Maybe they were all harpooned. But I think I think probably the Japanese. A Japanese guy just pops up and like, and like <laughs> that's one possibility. Or the other possibility is, yeah, you know, I suppose the other possibility is that everyone ate incredibly well in the 1970s. But I don't, I don't recall eating incredibly that's well. That's not the answer. We had stuff out of tins, didn't no. we? I mean, when we were children, yeah. we had peach, peach alphabetic spaghetti and stuff. That kind of been that. Yeah, hula hoop. It's good for your brain though, getting all those like words. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, that's why I'm so literate. That's why I got into, you know, good university and stuff, and got, you know, to, to read English. No, but but the, the thing we had in the 1970s, which we don't have now, is the notion that being fat was kind of an undesirable thing. It wasn't sexy. Whereas now you yeah. have all these kind of body positive bollocks being, being churned out by the, you know, you have oh, models that, that actually make you want to throw up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrible. And like, people need an excuse. Like, you know, like there's ever been a problem with lack of fat people. Like, yes. there's, there's, plenty, there's plenty of fat. Like, I don't, I just, I think, I think it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. And it's also bad for the people because not only is being fat, like, they've got this thing where like, you know, I'm, 
uh, healthy at any size. And it's like, no, that's not medically true. Yeah. Um, healthy, you know, below a certain, you know, BMI. And I'm actually, I'm over, I'm over my, my BMI. I'm for a skinny person, I'm surprisingly um, fat, heavy, but um, surprisingly <laughs> fat. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's other stuff you got to look out for. There's like, um, you get the stealth fat that like settles around your organs that even skinny people can have. So you can have like stealth fat. So you got to watch out for that, but it's not, it's not healthy. And then, um, also, man, just these sort of messages, these body positivity messages are lying to people. So then, you know, I've, I've got female friends who are like, oh, yeah, I'm so, like, you know, <laughs> empowered and, you know, I don't need to be. I'm just, this is the this is the way my body's meant to be. It's like, your body's not meant to be. Your body's like that because you drink like, two bottles of Chardonnay every night and eat shit from the takeaway. Like, your body's not meant to be like that. And the thing is, they're being told they're beautiful and stuff, but... They're not, and like men are looking at them, being like, you know, oh, 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 you know what I mean. Which you know, maybe maybe they don't want that. Like maybe they don't want that weird sort of seventies cartoon guy going, oh. But but you know, I know you know you know somebody's not beautiful if they post on Facebook a picture of themselves, you know, fat and stuff, and they say like, oh, guys, I'm so beautiful, and people agree with them. Like if you are genuinely beautiful and you post on social media guys I'm beautiful everybody would be like the fucking size of the head in this prick yeah. like you know what I mean have some have some like shame yeah yeah but, uh, totally. you know, instead if you're if you're not beautiful and you say you're beautiful everybody says it's brave and stunning and you're wonderful and beautiful there was a, there was a um I don't I don't I can't listen to the BBC anymore because it's just like shit um but uh so yeah. I, I'm, I'm always on the lookout in my car for stuff to listen to we were traveling down with with the kids um uh to devon and we were listening to old episodes of desert island discs and the best one i've ever heard was the one with do you, do you remember clarissa dixon right two fat ladies yeah yeah okay so clarissa she, she's it is the best ever desert island Discs. and what's great about her is that she's absolutely frank and she talks about things like how how awkward even back then uh, people were t- discussing the concept of fat. You know, they felt awkward about using the word, even though they were called two fat ladies in the series, and but no one wanted to address this issue. But Clarissa was, she knew she was fat. I mean, she, the reason she was fat was because she poisoned herself on, she had tonic quinine poisoning. You know that she had, so many oh, bottles really? of tonic. She she drank two and a half bottles of gin a day in her alcoholic phase, and the tonic that she drank with that, the quinine, destroyed her um, <laughs> her adrenal gland. Uh, her adrenal gland right. worked overtime, and so she could never get thin. But she was very unapologetic. Right. But she, she she didn't try to pretend that being being fat was a good was a good desirable thing that we should all kind of feel yeah. comfortable about. And that's what we've lost this 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 sense that. There's, it's not a problem if you're fat, uh, except in so you know, except in so far as you shouldn't expect ambulances to be made uh, reinforced to carry you to your your bariatric hospital. You know, for your bariatric bed, your your specially wide bed, and you shouldn't expect the whole economy to go to be closed down just because there's a bug going round that kind of seems to get you yeah. more if you're fat. That's that that shouldn't yeah. be the deal. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, I totally you know, agree. I said it's so true. Totally you had to agree with me. Yeah, I I had fat activists at my show. Uh, this is back in two thousand and eighteen, I think. Um, but basically, yeah, halfway through the show, these fat activists stood up 
kind of slowly. And uh, one of them shouted, one of them shouted, we are fat activists. And I had to agree with them. They were fat as fuck activists. Like, uh, <laughs> I, managed to, I managed to get away from it. I, I got away by uh, walking up a flight of stairs. <laughs> what did you do, actually? Did you, did you, did you kind no, of... No, they, they, they stood up and, like, the, the rules that they, they stood up. <laughs> we're fat activists. Man, it was so weird. Like people were laughing, you know. I mean, but they said, uh, they said, like, they, they, man, they were super angry because I did some, I did some joke about, um, I did some joke that went on the internet about fall off. It was about uh, fat people living in the sea. So I said global warming, you know. I mean, um, I said um, sea level is going to rise, and the whole joke was premised on the fact that um, it does, sea levels rising doesn't matter because it go, ha- happens really slowly. So you just walk up the beach, you know. what I mean, yeah. Like you can get away from the sea, and um, which I know isn't the the truth of why global warming's a bad thing, but it's a fucking joke, you know. This is what people don't understand. Sometimes comedians are joking, you know. And I also said, um, so I said the only people would be caught by that is fat people because they're too lazy to walk up the beach, and uh, so they can they can go live in the, but they can go live in the sea, so and eat a seafood diet, and it's remarkably slim, and they can rejoin us on land afterwards. Um, and like the bit is funnier than that. But, um, but yeah, so these people really got the hump about it because, you know, the whole bit they said was laced with uh, white privilege, um, patriarchalism, heteronormativity and something else that well, is probably fatism. great. I mean, body, body negativity fatism. or something. Body yeah. negativity, body shaming. Body yeah. shaming, yeah, absolutely. It's very insensitive. The, I was going to, because I, I was watching that very set before before um, we, we we started this podcast, and I I was part of me was was thinking, how can I prod him into kind of delivering little kind of excerpts from that show? But I was thinking, it's quite hard, it's, <laughs> but it's quite hard to do, isn't it? I mean, I like the bit where you're where you're snorkeling in Bali, if you remember that, and and your your thoughts on oh plastic. yeah. Oh yes, there's all this plastic floating in the water. This is true, man. Like I don't know, I go. I normally go to Bali like sort of twice a year. There's an island there. Uh, when things reopen, man, it's the best place in the world. You land at Denpasar Airport, then it's like um, half an hour in a taxi to the ferry port, like an hour, hour and a half in the ferry. You're on this island called Nusa Penida, and it is just, it's insane. There's like manta rays, there's cliffs. It's just the most insane place. It's super cheap. Um, so like, I go there on the way to and the way back from Australia when I'm doing the festivals. But um, yeah, I was there, I was snorkeling with manta rays and there was, there was so much plastic on the water. Uh, there's a lot of plastic pollution in, in Southeast Asia in the, in the oceans. And there's these big manta rays and you know, they're, they're hoovering up and stuff, but it was all banging off my head. And I was like, man, if we just made this shit heavier, just make the plastic heavier, then it'll sink to the bottom of the sea. No fucking problem. Like yeah. nobody gives a, can't even see the bottom of the sea. That, well, I, I think people should watch your, I, uh, well, when you, uh, I'll put the the notes, you know, about where to see your stuff and stuff, and um, you've got yeah. links to that to that to that set, which is which is really good. Um, I I don't want to I don't want to bum you out. I don't think you're ever going to be able to go back to um, Bali or whatever. I think I think this is going to be the end of everything. They're going to close us down. That's the plan, you know. And the, funnily enough, no, the- I don't I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think it's I think it's going to I think it, it's going to happen. I know it might happen surprisingly quickly because as long as deaths so i think britain and israel are way out ahead of other countries in terms of vaccinations so even though cases are rising 
deaths aren't rising. It's going to become an endemic illness like flu that we just learn to live with. And, you know, if 60,000 people die from it every year, man, 60,000 people die from it. Like, people have got to die from something. You can't live forever. Um, so we're going to get back to normal and we're going to be able to fly places. And the, the thing that's going to change is, like, now there's a lot of stuff has moved to remote working. Um, so flights might be sort of screwed. You're not going to get, get that sort of well-paid, um, you know, that sort of lucrative business travel that subsidizes, um, you know, people like me who fly in the scumbag seats. Yeah. But, um, but I, still, I still think it's going to come back. I love, I love your optimism. And, and uh, I, 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 hope, I hope that you'll you're prove right and, and that I'm not, because I, I would love to be totally wrong. Um, Leo, it's been really, really good um, to have you on this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out very soon, um, unedited, because I don't, I don't do edits. Um, so so <laughs> please, please don't go, come, don't email me after. It's so tiresome. People see it. People email me and say, oh, I think I said something, you know, insensitive about, I, I kind of think, fuck off, you know, that, that's the point. You yeah. know, just, it's normal just to miss. We should be allowed to, you know, make mistakes or step over the line. I mean, this is yes. the thing I hate with all this cancelling of comedians. Like, comedians are always, you know, transgressing over the line of social acceptability. Because sometimes you do that and it's really funny. Sometimes you do it. And it's not, and we've got to be able to like do it and learn. You've got to be able to crash the car to find out how fast it can go. It makes Formula One more exciting. So, you know, I don't want comedy to be this like sane, sanitized, everybody's scared, everybody's self-censoring. So they, they don't say something that's going to get, get them canceled. I think yes. you know, it's vital um, that we've got the ability to, to offend. Um, I apologize to everyone who was, uh, uh, one of the sad things, Leo, is that I, uh, I get these occasionally guilt-inducing letters and I, and I do feel genuinely guilty from people who say I'm a massive fan of your of your podcast and I've been trying to kind of dewoke my 12-year-old grandson or whatever um but, but can you warn me next time about all the swearing and and, and it's true that that's the, <laughs> it's the only reason that I I tr I try really hard not to swear and you know I mean with a scottish comedian like a yeah. swearing free shirt it's not going to happen is it it's not going to happen. So. Yeah, and you, you could have told you could have told me at the start instead of the end. I could have done this. I could have done. Do you know what, Liam? That would have <laughs> that would have involved being organised. Um, and, and and the thing I always forget to do at the beginning of the show. I mean, partly because I think it's just so boring. But part because I'm I'm always I'm like a like a horse at the beginning of the of the Grand National. I just want to get on, and just jump those jump those hurdles you know, <laughs> and win the race, or or, or, yeah, or roll yeah. over and and you know be one of the horses that gets shot. Whatever. Um, but. Uh, the thing I meant to say at the beginning and never do is please everyone, if you love this show, and I, I know you have, um, don't forget to support me because like we're getting all our freedoms taken away from us and, and people like me do need to earn a crust, um, you know, mm. uh, in this, this system, which is trying to crush people like me. Um, you can support me on Patreon, on Subscribestar and at my website, um, dellingpoleworld.com. And yeah, you can give me PayPal donations, whatever. Um, and I'll put links to Leo so that you can help him, him feed his starving bands, as I believe they're <laughs> called them. The starving bands. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, they can, get a, they can get a sugar butty. Yeah, a sugar... 
You could put like sugar butty. Yeah. Five pounds. Like, used to eat, like just a bit of margarine and some sugar on it and some white bread. It's like, wow. It, like, man, you know the average age of coronavirus deaths in Scotland is actually older than the average life expectancy. Yeah. Like in Scotland, it's not a disease, it's an antioxidant. <laughs> the, Sc- the Scottish diet, Scottish diet is so bad, you can actually introduce a Chinese bat virus, and Scottish <laughs> bodies are like, what what is that? Is that is that fiber? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it, COVID has been a boon to Scotland. It's, it's increased the life expectancy in Scotland, which I think is yeah. Some people, some people are living in their forties. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right, Leo. Um, it's been really great having you, and uh, we must do it again sometimes. It's been an absolute um, joy. Thanks a lot. So, thanks, for, thanks for having me, James. Speak uh, to you soon. Cheers. Thanks Bye. a lot. Bye-bye. Bye bye.